Hey everyone, this is Lee Foster. You are listening to Action, the no bullshit podcast dedicated to the pursuit of acting excellence. This episode is a little departure from the norm. This is an episode where I get interviewed by a psychotherapist. I've had a lot of you reach out to me and ask for this interview, so here it is. Before we get to the interview, I want to mention a company called We Rehearse. What it is, is it's an online rehearsal space for actors. Here's the way I use it. If I need a reader for an audition, I log on to We Rehearse, I say I need a reader for 15 minutes or 30 minutes, and within five minutes, I am on a video chat with another actor somewhere in the world who has my script that I sent through the site confidentially, and we are practicing the script. It is awesome. Check it out, werehearse.com. So the first question that I want to ask is what made you finally decide to pursue acting? Because you were working kind of a business job and then something changed. And I want to know what sparked that change for you. Yeah. So I didn't know what I wanted to do for a long time and it bothered the shit out of me. So when I was in college, I was going to college for art and art history basically because I didn't know what I wanted to do. And I, I had always been an artist uh, in different things. and Like what? I was super into photography. And okay. so my dad was a photographer. My grandfather before him was a photographer. And so I got into that early. I was actually a skateboarding photographer for some small magazines. I was super into skateboarding. I still am. But that really was, I was really concentrated on that for a while. I went to school, I, I got a technical degree in photography and digital imaging, and then I transferred to the U, U of M to get my bachelor's degree in art, and I really concentrated on photography for that. Okay. Now, here's an interesting thing that I didn't think about, but when I was in college for photography, and I was taking all these photography classes, I realized that... I was surrounded by people who were ultra passionate about mm. photography. It's what they thought about. It's what they dreamed about. It was all they wanted to do. They knew all of the equipment. They read the, the industry magazines. And I wasn't like that. And I realized I would never be able to compete on that level. It was more of a hobby for me. And that's interesting because... A lot of times people come to me and they ask me for advice about acting and getting into this industry and um, what, I, what they have to do to be successful. I can give them advice, but the fact of the matter is if you don't have a burning desire to be successful, if you, if you just want to be famous or you just want to be on TV or, or this seems like a cool idea, you'll just never be able to make it because you're surrounded by people who are ultra passionate like me. And I, I'm not trying to be negative and I'm not trying to like dissuade people who want to try this, but you have to understand that that's your competition. That's who you're going up against. People who eat and breathe and sleep this shit. So what happened was, so I, so I, I got out of college, decided that I was not going to pursue uh, photography as a career. And I took a job in sales thinking that if I can just make enough money, I could pretty much do whatever I wanted to do. I wasn't really interested in sales, but I thought I'd give it a try. What and were you interested in at the time? As a career, I, I didn't really know. Um, 
yeah, I, I, I just didn't really know. I, and, and that's why it was so stressful. I just had no idea. And I think everybody, almost everyone goes through that at some time in their life. So I, I took this, this sales job and I was, I lasted barely for seven months. It was soul sucking, just brutal work. I mean, I hated every second of it. And one day I thought, I have to get out of here. I have to do whatever I, I can to get out of here. And I called, um, I went into an open call at an agency. I had no idea anything about this stuff. Why, why did you do the open call? So I had always thought about acting and I'd always thought about trying to do that. But I think a big part of me didn't want to be made fun of. I was really into skateboarding. Uh, you know, all my friends were like skaters and I, I don't know, I guess it was like, uh, I, I was afraid of, afraid of being made fun of. It was stupid to say now, but, but I, I think that held me back for a long, long time because I thought about it for a long time. And so I went into this agency did the open call and I, and then I was at work a couple days later and I got a call from an assistant at that agency saying that they were interested in representing me. And I walked out of that job never to return. I just said, fuck it. I'm out of here. Okay. And, uh, man, that drive home that day was one of the best days of my life. What did you think you were getting into? I guess I didn't really know, but whenever I do anything, I do it a hundred percent. If I decide I'm going to give something a shot, I go all the way in. And then maybe I realize this isn't for me and stop doing it. But I always go all the way in. I try to learn as quickly as I can. I try to absorb all the information I can, like you, like you do. <laughs> um, and I just tried to read everything I could. I immediately got into class. I was in class consistently for years and, um, you were how old when you started this? I was 26 and I'm 30 now. When you went into the open call, you were 26, 26. Okay. Okay. Did that answer your question? Yeah, you did. So I, I imagine that being 26 in this open call, you are probably even in your agency, probably surrounded by people who are starting in a similar place than you, but are four five, six years, seven, eight years younger than you. What was that like to be? quite older than some of the people around you starting in the same place. Did you feel late in the game or how did you handle that? I spent a lot of time regretting not getting into it earlier. Okay. And then I realized that, and I talked about this a little bit on another podcast, um, but I'll, I'll go into it here. I realized that because I was older and because I had more experience in different jobs just the stuff I had learned in life from being older, how to deal with people, time management, all that kind of stuff. It was a major asset. And I think that had I come in earlier, like 18 or 16, when a lot of people start, I very well could have fucked it up for myself. I'm glad that I didn't. And, um, and, and you know what? Starting at 26, I've made a lot of progress in a very short amount of time. I mean, I was doing it full time within like six months. Full time. What does that mean? I was making a full time living. Okay. I wasn't doing anything else. And I don't know. I just, I just went all in. I went all in and I just thought, you know, I got some time to make up. I got to catch up. And I did, you know, I, I did. I'm not trying to brag or anything, but like 
it, it, it can be a real benefit to come in with that kind of life experience. Okay. So my next question I want to ask you about that first six months. You said it took you six months and then you were doing it full time. What did the very beginning of your journey as an actor look like? The very first thing I ever did was I signed up to be an extra on a very low-budget film in Minneapolis. Um, it was the first time I was ever on a set. It was fascinating. That was, the, that was the very first thing I did. And then from there, I just started doing student films. Okay. I, mean, I was in class. I was in class all the time. And I was just trying to, like, I was trying to learn every, any way I could. And this was all in Minneapolis and St. Paul? That's correct. Okay. Yep. And so I was doing that. I was, I was, I was doing some student films. A lot of those were terrible, terrible student films. And then I was making money. I started making money pretty quickly doing, um, like some modeling work. Uh, the modeling work kept me alive for a while while I was learning how to act. I mean, I was, I probably sucked at acting back then. Not to say that I'm like about to win an Academy Award right now, but <laughs> you've I was, improved. I was probably pretty bad. You know what? You know what's an interesting thing about that is I was on a shoot. It was a it was a student film. It was for somebody's senior project, and we shot like for a few weeks, and then there was this huge break for some reason. I can't remember what the reason was, but there was like a I think it was winter, like winter hit, and they just didn't time it right, and we had to wait till the next season, and then we picked it up. When I saw the final film, I could see such a difference in my acting. It was like plain as day. And, and, and what I, do you think were some of the major contributions that got you in that transition? Got you from just starting out totally new to all of a sudden really starting to see some progress in your acting? What were some of the biggest things that got you there? The biggest lessons I learned or, th or practices that I was doing that, was, that were making me better? Uh, more the second the second, okay, uh, class, man, just being in class, being okay. in class, getting the experience, doing other films, um, reading. I got a lot out of reading, and I think that's neglected. I really think that's neglected by actors, um, reading books on acting. And I've said it before, a lot of them suck. You got to pick and choose and read the ones that speak to you, you know. Um, but I read everything I could get my hands on, and uh, I really got a lot from those. I really did. I really got a lot from those. You did a podcast earlier about acting books, right? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. The, the so acting, people can go there and check that out. Yeah. If you're interested, go to the one. It's called, uh, I think it's called The Books That Helped Me. And it's just a list of the, the books that, that I read. And I read, I read all those books multiple times. Okay. So you just explained a little bit of your journey. I want you now to, I imagine you have had listeners or... I was this listener, but say somebody starts hearing your podcast and they're totally new to this, but totally intrigued. And I mean like no credits, no training. They're just, they get hooked up with your podcast through some way. And they're like, what do I do? What are some things that you would say, do this, this, and this to start off? What would you say? I guess I can only speak for the Chicago market and the Minnesota market, but I'm assuming that these would probably be applicable everywhere. Okay. Um, a lot of people in this profession who decide that they want to act, they think it's easy to do because it looks easy when they, they see movies and they see TV. Um, it's not. It's not easy. 
and you need to be good. Like you need to have the skills. You need to have auditioning skills. You need to have the skills that it's going to take you to deliver if and when you book a job. Without the skills, you have nothing. You could be the most amazing looking person on the planet. You go out to LA, everyone's good looking, man. That's not enough at all. That's probably not even enough to get you an agent. You need to have skills. And for that reason, you need to train. You have to do it. How do you do that? You look at the local uh, classes and you get into them. And you do one and then you do another and then you do another. And I know they're expensive, but learning any skill is expensive. Being in any business is expensive. You need to go to school to learn the skill. And acting's no different. And class will make you better. It really will. It'll make you better. It made me better. It makes everyone better. Everyone always says that. Every, all the successful people I talk to, they all went to class. They all were in class. Still are, probably a lot of them. So class is a major thing. I know you yeah. talked about books. What else? Anything else? You know what? This, this is a little bit of a tangent, but one thing that I think everyone could benefit from starting early is the practice of appreciating what you have and what's going on, uh, no matter what stage you're at. And most of the people who are listening to this probably listen to the Michael Kostroff episodes. And he talks a lot about, he talks a lot about this to really be happy where you are, no matter what stage of your career you're at, because you'll always be looking to the next thing. If you don't start practicing this early, I spent a year, this last, I spent this last year really, really concentrating on this skill because and I've talked about this before too, but I realized that I paid off all of my student loans, which was like a huge stressor for me. And five minutes later, I was thinking about some other problem. And I booked, you know, I booked a recurring role on Chicago Fire. I was really happy about that. And then you wanted more. And then I wanted more. And it's just always going to be like that unless you start, unless you develop the skill of appreciating what you have. And the way I do that is meditating. Here's what meditating does for me at least. This is how it helps me. And I only do five minutes a day. I know that's not much, but it's a manageable number. I tried to do eight minutes a day every day last year, and I didn't do it. So I cut it back to five, and I'm on track now. But um, what it allows you to do is to check in with yourself a lot and be present. I know that's a, a loaded term and it sounds like it's, you know, fluffy. But what I mean by that is it allows you to, to realize what you have during the day. And okay. instead of thinking about what's in the future or what's in the past or whatever, you can be in the now right then in real time. Yeah. And appreciate what you have. Wherever you are. Yeah, wherever you are. And Okay. I realized after doing this thing for about two years, making a living at it, you know, flying all over the place, doing jobs, consistently booking work. And about two years in, I was just getting off the plane in Minneapolis to do a job and I was waiting for my ride and I sat down and I pulled out a book to start reading, like immediately, like everybody does. They pull out a book, they pull out their uh, cell phone, they mm -hmm. start checking shit and I just thought, what am I doing? I haven't stopped and thought about the, the accomplishments that I've had. I have never, I, for two years, I never stopped. And I thought that's fucking ridiculous. 
and that's the time that I started to really get into meditating and, and mindfulness and, and all that kind of stuff. So for you, it sounds like it, it helped ground you in where you were. Oh man. Yeah. It, it'll help every piece of your life. Okay. So books, class, student films, any opportunities early on meditation, some of the big four players that you say, if you've got nothing going on right now and this is totally new to you, that's where you start. Yeah. Yeah. I want to follow that up and say, what do you think is the number one thing? Maybe you've already said it. What do you think is the number one thing that people brand new to this or are new or inexperienced? What is the number one thing that they overlook? Well, I kind of already said it. Well, I did already say it and it's training. Training. It's it's training. I know that's a a common answer, but it's, it's just the truth. Okay. Without the training, you have nothing. You just have nothing. Okay. So you said two years, you didn't stop, you started meditating. At what point did you move from the Twin Cities to Chicago? I've been here for almost three years. It'll be three years in August. Why did you make the move? This is a, this is a, this is a great question because a lot of people, a lot of people who live in, in Minnesota and other surrounding states contact me, generally like through Facebook, and they say, I'm trying to expand to Chicago. And it's pretty much impossible to do uh, if you're not going to move because the auditions are last minute. You rarely get more than a day or two, you know, a day or two notification before uh, an audition. And what are you going to do? You're going to drive eight hours or something or or, or spend money to fly. And then you're going to, what, sit in a hotel in Chicago for a week, two weeks waiting for a callback that may never come. It doesn't work, really. You might be able to get represented. I know that some people aren't completely honest about where they live, and they'll say that they have a Chicago address. I guess that could work, but there's other closer places to expand to, uh, I'm sure, for most people. That yeah, I, I don't think that I don't think that's a very uh, good technique. But what did I do? So I was one of those people who thought I wanted to expand to Chicago while continuing to live in Minneapolis. So what happened was. I wrote down a goal of being represented in Chicago, and I sent out seven packages to different agencies here and didn't hear a damn thing from any of them. Then I was at this shoot. I was at this modeling shoot in Minneapolis where they had hired some guys to fly in from Chicago, and uh, I overheard the guys talking to the producer of the shoot and they were like, yeah, you know, uh, so-and-so is great. He's a great agent. He's so good to his models or whatever. So I wrote that down. And when I got home, I looked it up. I'd never heard of the agency and sent this agent all of my stuff, like all the best shoots I'd ever done and everything. In Did you include a reel? No, because he was just the, he was just the print. Just print. Shoot. Okay. Yeah, he was just the print guy. And... He said, yeah, next time you're in Chicago, why don't you come and meet me? And I was like, all right, well, I actually have a trip planned. I didn't have a trip planned. I planned a trip. And I was like, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm actually going to be down there next week. I'll, I'll, uh, I'll meet with you then. He's like, all right. So I go there. He says, yeah, it's going to be super hard to represent you if you don't live here. But if you say that you are going to move here eventually, I'll, I'll start representing you now. And so that's what I did. And I did want to move. I love Chicago. I fell in love with Chicago the first time I ever came here. And I... Still love it. I love it every day here. So he started to book me on stuff. And I would take the Megabus eight and a half hours one way. It was a nightmare. 
but I would do it for these jobs uh, with the sole intention of getting represented in the TV and film department, which is not easy to do. And so I, I told this agent, his name's Wade. Uh, I was like, Wade, you got to get me like, you got to get me an audition up there. And he was like, okay, it's going to be tricky, but let me talk to him. So he, he got back to me and he was like, all right, so they're going to give you a commercial audition because that's if they decide they're going to represent you, it's probably going to be commercials, you know? And I was like, Wade, I'm like, I can do this. I'm trained. Can you get me the, can you get me the TV script? And so he did it. And I went there. I think they just thought I was going to do a commercial script. And I was like, you know, I got this other one prepared. You want me to like do it? And I did it. And then a, a couple weeks later, they said, we want to represent you, but you have to move here. And I said, okay. And within a month or two, I was gone. You've talked before about going union. When did you make that switch? So that was another big reason why I needed to start working in Chicago because there's essentially no union work in St. Paul and or Minneapolis. Um, very little. There's some voiceover stuff, but when it comes to commercials or there's no TV and there's no basically no union films. Um, there there's a a few commercials, but really not very many at all. So so the question was when did I start? When did I get into the union? I was going to go to L.A. Before I ever considered Chicago, I was planning on moving to L.A. And I knew that it's really, it's really beneficial to be in the union, to go out there with your card already. So what I did was I told all my agents that I wanted to join the union. And if there's anything that they could do, like if they could ever get me an audition for union stuff, to please let me know. So they started to book me on these union extra jobs for big lots, which if you don't have this in your city. It's like a, it's a department store. And I started doing a bunch of these. They would always have me back for these, these union uh, extra jobs. And if you do enough of those, you get to join the union. Um, I was getting real close. And then I heard from a buddy that the unions were going to join. SAG after used to be separate unions. And then they were planning this merge into one. And if you joined AFTRA, which you could just pay to get into. You didn't have to do a certain amount of after jobs like you do with SAG. Uh, if you bought into the after union, then it was very likely that you were going to be grandfathered in to the, the main union. We, nobody was sure about that, but we thought that that would probably happen. And so I pulled the trigger like an hour before they joined. And sure enough, I got grandfathered into both. That, that was a huge thing. I, I needed to go somewhere. The, the reason that I decided to move to Chicago was I was dating a girl pretty seriously in Minneapolis, and it's a lot easier to go from Minneapolis to Chicago and, and back and forth than it is to go to L.A. or New York or something, um, which that ended after, like, a couple months. But uh, <laughs> <laughs> after moving, yeah, it turns out, like, you, you'd be surprised, but if you move, like, 500 miles away from your girlfriend, they don't usually like it very It doesn't much. work out like that, huh? Yeah, I know. I was, I was shocked. I don't know what that's about. Were you when you made that jump from the after and then they and they merged? Were you still in the Twin Cities? I was, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I definitely was, and it was fucking painful trying to get work. I was like, for a while, I was thinking, what have I done? Because I couldn't do any work there. I couldn't do any non-union commercials anymore. I couldn't do anything, and so uh, yeah, that was bad. Like, if you don't, if you're in Minnesota, don't join the union. How, how long? After you had joined the union, did you go to Chicago? I don't know exactly, but it was probably seven months. Okay. Nine months, something like that. 
Last question about the union. How has it changed your career? How has it changed my career? I've been in the union for almost all of my career. So it's kind of, I don't know if I'm the best person to answer that question, but being in the union rocks. Why? Because, I mean, for a number of reasons. I mean, a union is, the whole point of unions is to protect the workers in the union. That's the entire idea. And that's what they do. So they get you great rates. You get residuals whenever your stuff is played. Um, on set, you're really taken care of because the production will be fined if you're not. So if they're a half an hour late on lunch, you get more money. If they keep you overtime, you get more money. So all that stuff. So you're just really well taken care of. And then plus there's the you get benefits from being in the union. If you make a certain amount of money, you get health care, you get a pension, uh, you get all that stuff. So you mentioned that you started in the Twin Cities and you were thinking about L.A. and then Chicago came into the picture. Where are you headed in this? You know, like, like what, what are the goals for the future? You're all about goals. I, I know you've got something going on long term. What, what, are, what are you headed for? When it comes to L.A., um, I have a bunch of family that lives in L.A., and I've been going out to L.A. since I was a kid. I much prefer Chicago, as just as a city. I just I belong in Chicago. Um, that being said, I, I kind of know that I need to. I know that I'll I'll have to at least start spending some time there in L.A., um, which I'm planning on doing. I'm going to start going there maybe a few months out of the year, and seeing how that goes. But there's no real reason for me – well, you know what? Now there kind of is a reason for me to start thinking about about moving um, because – I mean it remains to be seen how many shows are going to be here this year. Uh, we, we had some pilots film here. So hopefully those will turn into more shows that I'll be able to get on. But I've basically – uh, been on the, the the two shows that are filming here right now, and I can't. Chicago PD and Chicago Fire. Uh, no, Empire and Chicago Fire. Okay. But once you're in Chicago Fire, you can't be in Chicago PD or Chicago Med unless you're the same character. Oh, so I once, didn't know that. Yeah, so once you're in one, you can't you can't do another role in another because they share a world that they they like to have it be one world, and the actors go between them all. Wow. Technically, I could be brought back. Uh, as the character I played on Chicago Fire, but that's highly unlikely. And so now I need to kind of look to other markets. But um, I always said as long as things are on the up and up here and I'm making more and more money every year, there's no reason to move. I'll just I'll move when it plateaus or starts to decrease, but it's still going up. So that's what I'm thinking. And then, and then do you want to know about like my, my actual goals for acting? I do. This is one that's really tough for me uh, for a couple of reasons. My goal for 2016 is to become a series regular on a show. I know that's a really lofty goal, but that's my, that's my goal. I have, I have one goal uh, in terms of my acting career, and that's that. I would love to be a series regular on a show. Um, another thing that I would really love to be able to do is to be able to get to the point where I can pick what roles I take where I don't have to continue to audition for everything and I can get directly booked because I have the credits and the visibility. Now, one thing, man, I should probably talk to you about this, but you're being a, you being a therapist. <laughs> I, uh, I lay really, it on me. Yeah. So 
And I've been thinking about this a lot recently, and I'm going to start asking my guests this more, the real high-profile guests. Um, what's it like being famous? Mm. Because I think a lot of people who get into this business want to be famous. I'm not one of those people. I don't want to be famous. I do not look forward to that in the least. And so I don't really know what I'm doing. <laughs> because if I become a series regular, depending on how, how – how You'll become noticed. I'll become noticed and I'll be – I'll have some level of fame. And I, I really don't think I want that. Why? It just seems like a fucking nuisance. <laughs> You're probably right. Yeah. So I need to start asking those people how they deal with it and, and what's it like because it kind of scares me, actually, the thought of it. Like I don't I, – I, I really don't want to be – I definitely don't want to be like ultra famous. That just seems like a major pain in the ass. Hmm. I don't know. Do you want to be famous? I think there are pros and cons. I think that the people who have a certain level of fame have – in some ways, an opportunity to dictate their lives like few people do. You can choose the projects that you want to. You can live where you want to. You can basically create your own life wherever you want. Uh, but there are drawbacks to that. You can't just go grocery shopping on your own. You can't just, well, hey, walk in a movie theater because those experiences are probably turned into nightmares. Uh, but I also don't think that an incredibly successful career in film or TV comes without that. I think right. if, if you reach a certain point, it's inevitable. Yeah. And you look at Denzel Washington, I don't think you see him in the press a lot because he probably lives a fairly quiet, regular life. Mm-hmm. And then there are other people who you see in the press all the time because they're probably loving the limelight. So, I mean, do I want to be famous? I think parts of it would be really cool because it would give me an opportunity to pick feature film scripts and say, hey, I want to do this one and this one and this one. Yeah. And not have to audition, but their drawbacks. So yeah. I don't know that I, th- I don't think I think that question's a little bit like having kids. I don't really think you know what it's like until you're in it. Right. So is LA in the cards for certain or is it until it reaches a point, then you'll consider it. I think my plan is to probably go out there for next pilot season or maybe a little bit before pilot season and start. When is pilot season? Like February and March pretty much. Yeah. Okay. Being that we're on the podcast, why did you make Action Podcast? Well, when I was first getting into this business and I was trying to absorb as much information as I could, these are the questions that I wanted to hear the answers to. From people who were already there. Yeah, and I couldn't find that. I couldn't find that. And whenever people would have the opportunity to ask questions that actually mattered. They wouldn't. You'd see interviews. Like, for instance, one of the pieces of homework that I gave myself when I first started was once a day I would watch an Inside the Actors studio piece on YouTube. And if people don't know what that is, it's the Actors studio, I believe it's in New York, and it's this really prestigious acting school Um, and they do this, I guess it's like a class, it's a a seminar where this guy, James Lipton, uh, has uh, A-list celebrities, A-list actors come in, and he interviews them in front of the students of the school. Now, this is the ultimate opportunity to ask questions that would pertain to acting, right? How the person acts, what they think about 
when this happens, how they learned, how they prepare, how they create a character. And those questions aren't asked. It was like, how is it working with so-and-so? You did this movie. How was that? How was this? And it's just like you get these whitewashed answers that mean nothing. And, I mean, I, I, the show's I, – I like the show. It's an okay show. But I just thought – I thought this is ridiculous. Like why is nobody asking these people about their process? That's what made me start it. That's what made me start it. Yeah. And so the idea is to talk to people who are currently successful, who've been around the block and understand this business and ask them questions that will help me and whoever wants to listen to this be better actors. And you know what? When I started, I didn't give a shit if anybody listened. I didn't care at all. It was mainly just for me. I wanted, to, <laughs> I wanted an excuse to ask these people questions so I could hear the answers and I could use those answers and use that advice. Yeah. And then it turned out that it's pretty successful and people like it and, and a lot of people listen to it. And it's growing all the time, which is awesome um, because the more it grows, the more – What's the word? Not you attract bigger fish. Yeah, well, I can, I can, I can attract bigger fish. The more popular it becomes, I can say, you know, I'm getting this many downloads a week. Do you want to come promote your movie, Kevin Spacey? You know what I'm saying? <laughs> that is a big fish. That is a big fish. But I, mark my words, he will be on this podcast. Okay, that's a goal. Yeah, and, write it down. Uh, yeah, but uh, but yeah, that was that was the main thing, man. And and you know what? If you if you like this podcast. And, and I know you've left me a review and I really appreciate that, Nelson. And a lot of people have left reviews. Uh, a girl named Taylor Treadwell left, uh, just a heartwarming, uh, review that really like made my day. Um, take two minutes and go on, on iTunes and just tell me what you think of this podcast. It, it helps me gain visibility in the iTunes world. And the more visibility I get, the more listeners I, I get and the better guests I get. Kevin Spacey. I want to know how Kevin Spacey acts. Don't you? I, I do. I certainly do. Yeah. I want to know how Christian Bale acts. I want to know how, I want to know the tips and the tricks that Kate Blanchett uses when she's, mm. uh, you know, creating a character and, Meryl Streep. Meryl Streep. Like, I want to know these things. And the only way that I can do that is if people share it with their friends and tell their friends about this podcast and leave reviews on iTunes. Got it. You talked about when you first did this podcast, you created this idea, started interviewing people. It really, it was more just for you to learn. What have you gained from, from doing this podcast, from interviewing people? What have you gotten out of it? So much. Tell me some of them. So much, man. Oh, my God. Every time I talk to these people, I get multiple tangible takeaways that help, that really help. Talking to Michael Kostroff and hearing him talk about appreciating where you are sung to me, you know, and it changed me. It changed me because, I mean, it's a great life lesson and I had been working on it, but I just thought he's absolutely right. And I was going to an audition uh, like a couple days later or something. I was going to a job or something. And I was like complaining about some stupid thing that was not worth complaining about, about the industry. And I just thought, this is bullshit. Like, I should be so happy about this. This fucking rocks. I just thought back to that. So, I mean, that was a, that was a big one. 
I mean, check it out. The very first episode, I'd never booked any network television before. And I talked to Ron Morosco, who walked Ron Morosco, the man. I talked to him today, by the way. Yeah. And uh, Ron Morosco. Ron Morosco is going to be on the 50th episode answering only listener questions. So if, anybody had, if anyone has a question, go to action underscore podcast on Twitter and leave your question for Ron and it'll be asked on the 50th episode. Or call the Action Podcast voicemail, which is 206-424-9368 and we'll play your voice, your call, your question on that episode. So get on that. Um, I love Ron Morasco. He's the, one of my favorite people in the whole world. Um, the very first episode was Ron Morasco walking me through the script and the audition that I was about to have for Empire. And I did what he said, and I booked it. And I wouldn't have done some of those things had I not talked to Ron. And just be a paramedic. Just be a paramedic, man. I mean, literally every episode, it, it was, was more lessons. Um, I really started to learn a lot about how to think about certain roles, especially small roles. A, a huge thing that I've learned is that getting rid of all the tension and the nerves, Ron calls it shutting off the machinery before you walk into the audition room, is the golden key. That is the golden key. That comes before everything else when it comes to training. If you had... If you had a button you could press that would like magically change one thing in your ability to act, hands down it's that, without question. You need to be able to relax. You need to get all that other shit turned off. And anything you can do to do that, that's where it's at. And I learned that through talking to a bunch of different people on the podcast. And honestly, that's the only reason I booked Chicago Fire. That is the only reason why, because I had worked on that skill. I walked into that audition, like, and trust me, I've walked into a bunch of auditions nervous as hell, like sweating, heart pounding, so unconfident. I walked into that, that Chicago Fire audition, I was just like smooth. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Smooth. Okay. So you've learned... Um... Quite a few things that have benefited your career. Oh, my God, dude. It's, un- it's unreal. This podcast was the best idea I've, I have ever had. Okay. This is a very generic question, but I think it's important because I think people have different answers and different perspectives on it. But what, what do you love most about acting? And that could be commercial acting. It could be your roles on Chicago Fire, your day player role on Empire. What do you love most, or even about the idea of acting? What draws you? Yeah. There's a book called The 4-Hour Workweek, which probably a lot of people have read. Um, It's by Timothy Ferris, and it's all about maximizing this unrenewable resource that we all have called time. Mm. And it changed my life. It, it sat on the bestseller list for like 10 years. But I am somebody who believes in the value of having time. And that's why when I was in that, that corporate job, I was just depressed and like uh, it was terrible because I was spending all my days working for somebody else. It was dark when I got there in the morning and it was dark when I left. I mean, it was terrible. And what acting allows me to do, I probably work on average, like 
I'd say I probably work on average like once a week, maybe twice a week, sometimes more, sometimes less. And, I, and then I make good money on those days. And it, when you can get to a point where you can do this full time, you can do whatever the fuck you want during the day. What do you do during the day? Oh, man. Walk. I love to walk. I mean, I work out and stuff at the gym, but I, Chicago is such a beautiful city that like I never get sick of it. Right before I was on this call, I was walking for like an hour. Yesterday, I walked for like two hours. The day before, I was out for like four hours. Sometimes I just walk all day. <laughs> um, yeah, you know, I walk. I go see movies. I do the podcast, which is kind of time-consuming at times. Um, I go hang out with my friends. I go meet people in the industry and have coffees with them and pick their brains and stuff. And uh, I read I do all that kind of stuff. I just, it is so nice to be able to, to do that. And I hope that every one of my listeners gets to the point where they can do that and they don't have to work another job unless they really like it, where they can just do this. And, you and can that's just, it. Yeah, you, it's just the free time that it gives you is amazing. Now, when it comes to actual acting, the thing I like the most about it is how challenging it is. It is so challenging to learn it to absorb all that information, to practice it, and then to see yourself getting better and better, super rewarding. Becoming good at auditioning, where I think I just now am becoming good. I mean, I really think I was pretty terrible for a while. I think now I'm, I'm, I'm pretty decent at it, and, I, and I'm getting better all the time. But that is, the, that is so challenging. I mean, you're walking into a room full of strangers and you're putting yourself in the position to be scrutinized and judged by all these people who have the ability to give you thousands and thousands of dollars with just the word yes. And it's likely that it's not going to be yes. And you are nervous. To be able to get good at that, to be able to get to the point where you can walk in there smooth cool, relaxed, not stressed out. That was one of the hardest things I've ever had to do in my life. It took me years. It took me years. If you like this podcast, please go to iTunes and give me a rating and review. And I will personally thank you on an upcoming episode. If you want a question answered by Ron Morosco on the 50th episode of Action, follow me on Twitter, action underscore podcast, and leave your question there. Or call the podcast voicemail at 206-424-9368. Once again, I'm Lee Foster. Thanks for listening.